0: What's well, good people it's shredge it's stone and we are out here in a beautiful fall day you know relaxing chilling you know as we do normally having fabulous cocktails and we're just kind of sitting down there thinking about you know business plans moves to make 2023 you know you heard me you know what I'm saying and uh and that's smart, actually Rel- relatively light you know because we out here chilling that's all yeah no stories. Know. <laughs>
1: Buy, buy low, y'all. Buy, buy all the, buy all the crypto. Twenty twenty three is going to be the year. You heard from me.
0: Maybe, maybe it is the time to make a coin. Now, 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 all those come, all the, all the competitors are gone. We could come out for coin. The late hustle
1: broke coin because we all broke. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, we're 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 back for y'all another another episode of reg and stone um, absolutely you know it's 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 a very interesting time in music as always. We will not talk about the most interesting part of me, the music <laughs> industry this week because <laughs> <laughs> we' we don't, don't want to like you know we, we don't do this for clicks we don't do this for engagement we, we
0: do this for, for right now our podcast is dedicated to all the young artists out there trying to pop trying to make this the career trying to you know do things try to bring art to the people and enrich our lives and we've decided to basically looking at our news list depress the fuck out of all of y'all so you know pops to us
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe you should just listen to uh drink champs then um no that's more depressing that that is more depressing i think than this episode for sure it,
0: it's, it's it's uh we, we all lord knows we all need it we all need our own therapy and mental issues but uh I wanna make a, a, a leap and say we're 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 in a much better mental place than a lot of other people out there, including <laughs>
1: certain billionaires. Very true. Very <laughs> true. Uh. Uh,
0: but uh, I'll start this one off. Um long story short, we started we kinda of touched on SantiGo last week. Um, basically kind of saying how, you know, she wants to tour but it's unsustainable, yada yada yada. And you know, Santigo is a very specific artist. She's somebody where, you know, she definitely has done a lot of songwriting camps. You know, she's, as far as artistry is concerned, she's not necessarily somebody who makes the bread and butter through touring. Um, The interesting thing, though, was Animal Collective basically did the same exact thing last week where they basically canceled the European tour. Now, Animal Collective, if you aren't familiar with, is basically an indie rock band, very experimental, but they've been doing this for. Probably like we're pushing on 20 years. Like yeah, they're 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 definitely an institution as far as indie rock is concerned. There are people who've toured the world 10 times over. I think one of the members lives in Portugal now. You know, they're they're big. Like, I'm not going to be like they're like Bruno Mars big, but they are people who obviously at this point in their careers have made their livings through music. So it was kind of shocking when I saw this because I was like, damn, I'm like, these dudes make their bread and butter like making music. Like this is not some shit where it's like, you know, they dip in and dip out. These are dudes when they go on a tour cycle, they go on a fucking tour cycle. And it was kind of shocking where, you know, after years of not having their revenue, even they were kind of forced to kind of put their hands up. And then again, even though they're a relatively popular band, you know, it's basically synthesizer music. You know, it's a lot of instruments, but a lot of instruments that are relatively easy to carry. There's no crazy backline. There aren't Slipknot. There's not like fucking flamethrowers. It's just a projection. Some dudes on fucking some synthesizers and, you know, that's it, mics. So then you, know, you look at that, it's like, damn, it's like if if the basically the new economy is kind of fucking with their paper where they're like, yo, we can't do our European tour off an album. They just recently dropped that scary fucking times
1: yeah definitely and you know again this is i think we're going to have more of this um over the next few months um and and i think it's really interesting too because it's not even just inflation but currency devaluation all these like geopolitical events are happening um that are affecting the world of music and you know like like artists like animal collective they're not I, I mean, I'm sure they have a label, but, you know, the label's only gonna cut you so much, so many checks, right? Um, a lot of these uh, artists and bands kind of finance these tours kind of on their own, you know, or they get an investor or, like, things like that. Um, and it, it's it's not even that they can't do the show. It's just, like, you know, how much of a loss are they gonna, are, are they gonna take? At the end of the day, it's a business, right? And if, if the winds are saying, like, you, you know... You're going to lose money doing this tour, doing this thing. Um, and you won't even know if you're going to, you know, you might project that you lose X millions of dollars and it might even be more. You don't even know um, you got to like, you know, stay at home, you know, and, and, and kind of zip up the bag. Um, and that's what they're doing here. I just don't know what the solution is, to be honest, um, as a music fan as somebody who loves live music, who who, you know, you know, like little sims went through this you know had tickets for like shows that have gotten canceled because of uh these type of things um you know i don't know exactly what the music fan should should do i know like people are saying oh go out and buy music um and that's kind of like the best way to put more money in your artist's pockets but i i don't even know if that's enough right um i i don't know if that's enough to like you know really kind of help and maybe it is like if, if you're a recording artist out there, like, or somebody in the music industry who kind of knows more of the business, um, you know, let me know. But I just feel like the, the, I, the whole business model, I think it is, is kind of messed up right now. And, and like the whole kind of like ecosystem is like super crazy and super messed up. Um, and I, I, think nobody's really talking about it, but, um, you know, I don't even know if like my $10 on band camp is going to make a difference. <laughs> You know, um, at the end of the day, because I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a lot of structural issues with touring that are unfortunately rearing its ugly head, you know.
0: Yeah, no, it's 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 everything from obviously, you know, like, and you pointed out the basics it's this is a currency exchange. The dollar's doing really well. So if we need to go to Europe, You're effectively losing more money than you would have, you know, maybe a year ago. You've got things like gas, where obviously if gas is more expensive, that's also the tour where you can kind of hop into that cheap economy line, rent it out and fucking ride around. Suddenly it's costing like, you know, 20, 30 percent more to do that. You know, you've got issues of where basically I know because of what's been happening, if you're an artist of a certain level. And you have a certain level of tickets that you're selling where it could be really fucking hit you in the pockets if you have to cancel something. You have insurance now. You have COVID insurance, health insurance, where not for your own personal use, but something to kind of sit there where if, God forbid, something happens and something has to get canceled, you kind of have some coverage there. It's You have all these new things, but you have the old systemic things. What do you have? You've got 360 deals where you know some artists aren't really making 100% of the money to make on tour. You've got issues of where venues are just, you know, industry rule number 4080, you know. So there's some good venues, there's some bad venues. That's all we can say about that. And you have the things about logistics, where it's like ideally to put a tour on even beyond the band, you know. It kind of works if you're a little punk rock band is it's all y'all together, But you know, at any certain levels that you have to buy other things. You might have to have lighting. You might have to have a sound guy with you. You might have to have all these other things where it's not just like you, the artist, you've got two or three other people who exponentially, because everything's more expensive, you've got to pay them more money. It's just fucked up. And I I think that what's kind of shocking is that, all right, and I'm not saying, all right, like it's a good thing, but I think to a certain extent, we've kind of realized that, hey, you know, making money on selling actual physical records it's dead. You know, right now it's basically, it's, it's merch. You know, if if you go out there and sell X amount of records, odds are X amount of records you're selling are pretty much more for merch's sake, where, you know, limited edition CD, you know, gold-plated record, as opposed to somebody grabbing those things, running home and listening to it. Hard listening through it? You know how. Title, Spotify, and fucking Apple, Apple, fucking iTunes. So I think that, you know, you have that aspect, which obviously has gotten worse because, I've read stories about where, hey, you know, specifically some artists recently where they had X amount of orders for X amount of records that had to go X amount overseas, and they literally were like, yo, we didn't think it would be this expensive. <laughs> you know, it's, and it's just those basics where, you know, the, the economy that's been kind of smacking us in the face is backing them also. The only thing is at least, and I can't even say in, at least in our case, but generally, you know, there's certain things in a nine to five that had a lot more protections than, a musician's life and that's where that kind of forced the face where if it's bad for us it's worse for them and then, like i said it's kind of sucks because you know to a certain extent i think we all kind of realized that hey you know being a musician you aren't gonna make your money you know necessarily selling records which is fine because there's, there was always tour revenue and it's over the years we're fucking you know with 360 deals, with venues wanting a bigger cut, board guarantees. I've heard our acts have to have board guarantees now, you know, just like regular touring musicians. Really? It just kind of, yeah, no, it's it's crazy. crazy. But that's the thing is everybody's trying to make the money. The thing is I can't even necessarily, and it sucks. Cause trust me, I hate a venue, but I have to speak up because they're, they're in spaces where rent has gone up X, where, you know, they're trying to recoup years of losses that they had nothing for. Yeah, like that's it's, true. It's, it's 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 everybody's fighting all over a very small piece of pie. Which going back to Santa Gold's point, where she's like, "Hey, you know, I'm trying to play these places, and these places are you know already booked up because a lot of other acts want the same exact spot, and that goes across the board for money and resources. It's like everybody wants the same piece of the pie, but it's gotten smaller, and now we're all fighting for it. And, and like I said, is this not good? Because ultimately, what I fear. Is that I'm not gonna necessarily say that live music will ever die. That I would never say that. But that said, if you don't have your teenagers kind of hopping in to go see their live musicians for a reasonable price, if you kind of leave it to a realm of where a certain level of musician can only do it, if you leave it to a realm of where only a certain level of 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 let's say you know monetary income, where you know to see like you know you can only you know it's either Bad Bunny. <laughs> Like, those are the level of shows that are going out there. You're going to miss this kind of... Because, like I said, people kind of, you know... Entertainment is a very wide pie, but also very specific. And if you read a lot about metrics and TV and everything else, and video games, it's like the idea is that, you know, people have X amount of time in their fucking day. And you're all fighting for a piece of it. And what I fear is that without live music... A, you're killing the the people who perform now, today's future, but also the future future because, you know, things like, will they, you know, TikTok, the TikTok. Well, it's even true. TikTok viral shit would only get you so far. You know, performing in, in Fortnite is great for fucking Travis Scott, but is it great for like Animal Collective? You know, you have all these things. And what I fear is the fact of where as we devalue, we've already devalued fucking music as far as fucking listening to it. If we devalue live music also, I fear a future where it just won't be an active way to make money. And as a result, people will not really look towards it, even though it's a very intimate, very awesome experience. They'll go to the fucking movies.
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah, it's it's true. Or they'll just stay home and watch TikTok. You know, it's, you know, it it is really sad. And, and, you know, I think both you and I just kind of come from a world where like live music is just everywhere. <laughs> and, you know, like the fact that you're kind of seeing some of these artists, um, you know, kind of cancel shows and just like really like it's, you know, just becoming such a source of agony is kind of sad. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I hope, like like I said last week, you know, I hope we, we can figure out a model that, that can be sustainable Um, you know, and maybe it is like Animal Collective. I think they're from like Baltimore. Like they just like you know find like an abandoned warehouse and play for five nights, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, like like I don't know, I don't know what it is, you know. But I I think like you know, I we definitely need to figure out a better model. Um, and we have to do it you know sooner rather than later. And, you know, it's not going to come from the labels. It's not going to come from the industry because, you know, those artists and the artists that are their bread and butter are going to be okay. Right. It, it's going to have to come from, you know, creatives and, and indies and kind of people adjacent to those creatives and indies who also have money because you will need some type of capital, um, you know, but yeah, hopefully like a, a new, like business model or some type of new way to see live music comes out of this because I I don't think this is like something that um, it's just going to get a, a lot worse you know um, inflation is not going down you know the cost of things is probably not going down things are probably going to be way more expensive for like you know it, until eternity um, so we got to figure something out so
0: yeah absolutely um and let's see what else we have on this list well. Long story short, Billboard wrote an article, a very interesting article, basically about how the idea of a new act. And basically, you know, it's, it's the era of TikTok, it's the era of streaming, and basically had an interesting stat where they said basically, you know, from 2000, 2040, no, 2040, t- 2001, 2004, you know, as far as top 10 is concerned, you had 30 first-timers cracking. So that's brand new artists out of nowhere who had songs that kind of cracked it. And basically that's like, you know, Beginning of the decade, you know, Napster, you know, streaming is kind of not there yet, but coming. And then basically they kind of fast forward to where, like, you know, this year or last year, I'd say, only 13. And and basically their whole synopsis is the fact of where, it's and if you think about it, it's really hard to become a brand new artist and, and stay a brand new artist. We're kind of in the space of where everybody's, everybody's a one hit wonder and it feels less because they're not that talented, but just because the attention span is, is just due to across the board where, you know, we'll, we'll kind of sit there patiently and wait for Kendrick Lamar album. You know, I, I wonder how it tracks in hip hop. I was thinking especially that might be a little different, Yeah, but definitely in the wider, like pop space it feels like artists are just more and more disposable.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's it's really interesting. Um, I mean, I read the Billboard article and on the one hand, they were kind of lamenting the fact, it almost felt like it was a bunch of A&R people who were lamenting the fact that they're not gatekeepers.
0: (laughs) Yes, very good points.
1: Very good (laughs) points. You know, and they're just kind of like, well, I don't know what to do anymore. Like, like, uh, a number one radio single doesn't mean that much anymore. And everybody's on TikTok. And it just kind of felt like a little bit of, like, you know, boomerism. <laughs> industry boomerism. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's a good point. I mean, we're we're at this world where, you know, if you're a recording artist and you're a new recording artist, you're not just competing against other recording artists. You're competing against other forms of media. And, I you know, it, it's really hard to kind of break through um, and, and really kind of get you to yourself to a point where you know again you can start booking live shows which may not exist anymore um, very depressing <laughs> um, and you know I, I, you know, as a label as well you know it, it's it's kind of hard to, to you know, and I understand where they're coming from right like they're trying to make bets on artists I don't like the label kind of like paradigm where you know they, they'd sign these artists these really shitty development contracts but you know, they argue that we don't want to put X amount of dollars into all these artists until like one of them really pops off, um, which I guess makes sense from an investment standpoint. But they don't really know who like, what what the metric is, what the barometer is, um, who's going to be like the artists that we're all going to be talking about, you know, like, say, six months from now. And also, too, that artist that we were talking about six months from now, are they going to be? sustainable enough to become like, you know, a superstar. Um, I I almost feel like we're, we're kind of getting to a point where I don't think we're going to have any more like quote unquote, like, you know, the you know, superstars, you know, like, like a Beyonce or, you know, Rihanna. Like, I, I just don't see that happening. And even in rap, like, you know, I don't see a Kendrick Lamar happening again, you know, like to, to a point where it's like universally loved. Um, I just feel like there's just there. there's something about those eras that people came from um, that just really kind of like built a foundation where I feel like now it's, it's like there's no foundation right um, and it, it's funny too because like you know even looking at somebody like Steve Lacey who has like the number one song in the country which is crazy um, people so are like him. yeah which is crazy but people are like oh he came out of nowhere it's like not really you know he... <laughs> He's Grammy nominated. He came out of like, you know, Odd Feature Internet Camp. You know, like there are people, you know, Odd Feature is like a collective that, you know, like there's just like, there's a whole like, you know, ecosystem there that can propel Steve Lacey to number one, you know. Shit. Actually, you yeah, uh-huh. have
0: <laughs> a really good point where literally they were basically their own little incubation. They were their own crazy A&Rs. Like think about how like, those early internet albums were basically like, you know, like like they literally and, and you kind of forget because like, oh, it's the collective and this and that. And they're kind of just, you know, skater dudes. But yeah, they're kind of they, that was definitely artist development to the T. I mean, yeah. Maybe Taco needs to be doing that, too, instead of fucking
1: Jackass. <laughs> yeah. But he's also been, you know, he he kind of comes from a pre TikTok era, too. Like he's been putting in work for like, you know, 10, 12 years you know? yeah song right
0: he was writing for a lot of artists he was he was on the fucking vampire weekend album fucking writing songs yeah yeah so yeah.
1: you know it's, yeah it's i don't know it's definitely something that's pretty interesting um but again i i don't want to like lean into like some of these gatekeepers saying like woe is me like you know maybe this is a, a an opportunity for um creatives to kind of take control back and maybe like again like do we need to have this this whole thing where a and is like you know scouring TikTok and music blogs and like whatever like trying to find the best new thing just to sign them to a shitty contract?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, you 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 a hundred percent. I I cannot disagree. Yeah, I, I, I stand corrected. No, it's true. It, it, and you have a point. It's very much about from a, from a from a big music industry cocaine limousines party at the Hayes Hotel kind of perspective. And you have a point. Is the idea is like you know. It's, are these guys lamenting a number one act, kind of breaking out and breaking through, becoming a Rihanna level? Is that really for a young Rihanna's benefit or is it just to kind of keep the record label kind of shit kind of going? And, and you know, at the end of the day, I think that, you know, it's tough because I do think the level playing field is awesome. I do think to a certain extent keep keeping has like kinda of killed a lot of fucking great music in the past. There's a lot of great albums that, you know, never saw the light of day because, you know, a record label arbitrarily arbitrarily was like, oh, we don't think this will sell. And then now you've got, you know, an artist years of work, you know, a million bucks, five hundred grand thrown away because it's like, nah, it's not good enough. We feel like this won't work in the market today. So I do think the idea of where, you know, if you're an artist, you can kinda of go out there and create it's great. The problem, though, is in the, going back to the first half of the fucking conversation, you know, how do you live off that, though? Um, I was in a thread recently. Um, basically, it was by metal musicians and they were basically talking about the day jobs. And it was hilarious because, you know, everybody has. And, you know, again, a testament to any kind of genre, because, you know, people do things, you know, people kind of see artists as the art. And that's not necessarily the case, you know, like I'm pretty sure Frank Ocean is, isn't driving around limousines, lamenting, you know, being a queer man. <laughs> if, if, if that's the case, those days were, were way behind him. But he's these like metal musicians who were definitely, you know, technically, you know, metal music is a hard trying to play. But, you know, they're like teachers, doctors, scientists, you know, X, Y, Z. And what was funny is maybe out of like the 50 replies, maybe like two of them I saw like, yeah, I make music like, you know. This sustains me enough where I don't have to do X, Y, Z. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, everybody's got their hobbies. Everybody's got their passions. There's a lot of really good, talented musicians out there who have day gigs. You know, I was reading about Gil Scott's Heron producer who apparently told me just had, you know... Shit got weird. Apparently he was getting his royalties and basically started working for fucking New York City. He was fucking as, a, as an IT dude. So, you know, there's definitely, not, that's not to diss those people as if they aren't real artists. But that said, there is, a, there is a thing to be said where if you're a certain level of artist and you're a certain level of musician, you know, maybe it'd be nice to be able to, I don't know, practice. <laughs> it'd be nice to maybe, I don't know, not to have to pay XYZ rent to have a studio if you're a painter. Maybe it'd be nice to like you know not eat ramen noodle soup. Maybe it'd be nice to do you know all these other aspects that you know because they are doing a service to a you know society at large and B it is actual labor. It's not just you know me sitting down on crayons writing in a you know in, in a fucking coloring book. It's like these things take time, they take craft, they take understanding, they take fucking labor, and you kind of want to see that balance out. Definitely, the article is kind of centered towards the industry. But I I do think it's kind of interesting to kind of show that, hey, you know, with this flattening of everything, like you pointed out, we're not having the same experience. So the idea of where, you know, Kendrick Lamar drops an album, and if you're listening to, like, hip-hop, pop music, if you're somebody in Wyoming, if you're somebody in Yugoslavia, you're like, oh, shit, new Kendrick, you run into the fucking Spotify. Those eras, I think, are kind of dying out.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And and, and it's just very... It's weird, too, just because... Again, you can have like a million streams, and that's like a million people saying like you're great, but that like it's, you know, not a million dollars, right? So yeah. it's like, so even if you do have like you know some type of presence online, you still have to convert those users, like listeners, to like a live show or like something else or a Patreon or like you know whatever, because like that doesn't really mean anything like long term. So it's just like even with that, it's like. Not even, like, the people who have, like, 2,000 plays, you know, <laughs> on, on mm-hmm. SoundCloud. Like, people who have a million plays here, a million plays there. That's just, like, not even enough, which is kind of crazy. Um, so, again, just with the other thing, like, we have to figure out a new business model. Um, you know, I, it's just, I, we don't, I, 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 as a love of music, I just don't want this thing to die. Or just get to the point where... Um, it's not sustainable enough for people and like you know people are just kind sort of kinda like well you know i got my day job you know i'm I'm, I'm, a, te- I'm a teacher <laughs> <laughs> you know um and like i don't fault anybody for doing that you know i don't fault you know because i know people who were you know they basically were in the music industry and now they kind of like write commercials jingles for target and you know i think like 10, 15, 20 years ago, I was like, "Yo, you're a sellout." And now people are just like, "Yo, you gotta pay the bills. You still, you still get to write commercial jingles. You still <laughs> need, need to get to make music. What? Like, so, um, yeah, there's just definitely gotta be a new. It's, there's definitely gotta be a new business model for sure."
0: I mean, maybe it'd be cool, though. Maybe you'll see more of their day job lean into to their, you know, their artists. You know, maybe you'll get rapper bars like, you know, Pythagorean Theorem. And, you know, (laughs) bet you like a Pythagorean Theorem. Pull it so hot your mom could see them. You know what I'm saying? Come out there, you know. Surgeon bars, baby. You know what I'm saying? That scalpel. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Give me that hassle. (laughs) Oh, man. But on positive note, the new music section... New this music. is art that we like, we love, and we want to share with y'all things we're excited about. First up, a Mr. Frederick Gibbs. <laughs> Stone, take it away.
1: Yes. Uh, our, our our homeboy, Freddie Gibbs, is back with his first major label debut. I did not know that. Holy shit, that's insane. Yeah, that, I had that no track, idea. That track is also
0: insane. Wow. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, it was like Freddie's a really interesting rapper. He, he's I mean, he's been in the game now for, like, 10, 12 years now. Um, and I think, you know, his last few projects have just really gotten a lot of critical acclaim. Because he worked with Madlib, he worked with Alchemist, um, you know, two of, like, you know, in terms of, like, your dusty backpacker. <laughs> like, you know, two of the greats and the, the producers in the game. And they made, like, I would say... Like, Alfredo and also Bandana are probably, like, some of the most cohesive hip-hop albums I think I've ever heard, or at least in, like, the past, like, 10 years or so. Um, so, you know, and now Freddie Gibbs is kind of a name, um, and he's, you know, he's always been around, but I think, like, within the larger hip-hop community, he's kind of, like, becoming more and more of a thing. So this is his, you know, major label debut, which is sold sold separately. Separately. Um, I want to basically kind of say that um, and it, I had a great conversation about this because, like, somebody, I, I I won't name them, but they're like, oh, it's my favorite Freddie Gibbs album.
0: Interesting.
1: And I'm like, I can't say that. <laughs> 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 like, like that's just not something that I am going to, to you know, they, like, you know, I I again bandana uh, pinata like. Yeah, Alfredo, like you know, uh, uh, the Fed, Fendi or or whatever. Like, the, I, I feel like he has more like albums. Um, I think why I probably won't say this is my favorite ferry Gibbs album and this is probably where I got into this conversation right because I'm like I think I liked the cohesiveness of the production whereas this album is definitely more of a quote unquote traditional hip-hop album where you have like 10 different producers 10 different beats it was still kind of co- co- cohesive in a way but it definitely lacked that kind of like essence of like his past two albums it definitely felt a little bit more a you know, know. like <laughs> like you know it's like the joe rogan like jumping on the album like i it's just definitely something where it's just kind of like a oh this is definitely like your major label like debut Um having that said i think freddie is definitely one of the most interesting rappers in the game Um you know has Probably one of like one of the best Flows um and One of the best cadences and one of the best voices In rap and I think that hasn't Changed um Just really interesting too because I, I, I think like what Freddy rap's about I, I, I almost like it's, 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 it's definitely like Storytelling rap um, In a lot of ways which I think is really interesting but it feels way more authentic than, like, when R- Rick Ross says it <laughs> or even Pusha T. <laughs> you know, like, it's it's not, I wouldn't, I mean, I guess it is gangster rap per se, like, but it, it feels like just, like, I could see Freddie doing this as opposed to, like, you know, Rick Ross. But um, in that aspect, I think, like, it's fairly solid. I think for me, it's just, like, the production um, and maybe it's just me being way more critical than I need to be, which is like the, what <laughs> my my friend called me out on. It's like, you're just being way more critical. You're just being a music nerd. But I do think that production, and it's just not as, as top tier as its previous efforts. So,
0: Yeah, no, I think we're on the same page. I mean, I'll say this much. I wasn't mad at the record or even the basic idea just because, again, he dropped, you, you know, I... Am I gonna say classics? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say classics. So he drops two classic records, you know what I'm saying? And you know this is his little victory lap. So it's like if he wants to kind of do something, you know. And I, and I felt like this was a kind of a I, I like the move here, but I dislike the movement. I'll tell you what I mean. So obviously he's made his name, made his lane, lane, and his name right now as this kind of rapper who's just basically very focused on you know hip hop traditionalism. These 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 weird almost ephemeral boom-bap beats. He's just there slaying it. He's got these, these these great concepts. He's somebody now where it feels that, you know, if you grab like Vintage Premier, if you grab like Jay Dilla, if you grab all these things that gave him like like 12 tracks, you'd have another murderous ass album. So I think it's kind of cool that he's like, hey, you know, I could do, a, you know, a, I, you know, I am a plethora of things as far as my art is concerned. So it's cool kind of having him do this victory lap. But I think I'm with you where Ideally, if it's about like an album statement, it's kind of hard to kind of like have an album produced by some of the greatest hip hop producers of all time to kind of going to like your normal, you know, here's this track, here's that track, here's this guess, here's that guess to put it all together. That said, it's a good album. Like that's the thing. I, like it's hard to kind of not like hate on this album because if you didn't have like those other records and this came out, i be like, yo, Freddie Dibbs, is, he's dope. But at the same time, I have to say that for what he's doing, it's infinitely more interesting when he's working for a singular producer, as opposed to when he's doing a little bit more "quote unquote" mainstream albums. I think it's good. I think he kills all those songs. I think he's a very adept rapper. So it's like it's cool hearing him kind of. It's like he doesn't sound out of. He doesn't sound like a fish out of water. Is what I'm saying. Like no. he's doing real. Like it's a good album. It's just the fact of at the end of the day, though, for a technician like he is that wave, I think, was a little better. And I, and I, I kind of see your friend's point of where it's like, no, it's a favorite album, you know, don't hate on it. And it's true, because if it wasn't for those other records, and this came out, I'd be like, yo, he's very dope. But at the end of the day, for his talents, I feel like it leads more towards that lane than this lane, you know? Like, I don't come to Freddie Gibbs, per se, to get, you know, the the, the Maybach, 3 a.m. and the Friday night shits. I don't come to Freddie Gibbs for, like, you know, more commercial shits. I don't come to Freddie Gibbs for, like, let's say, like, you know, mega, mega burn-up shit. I come to Freddie Gibbs for basically for pass production and him flowing, like, fucking water on top of it. And I think that's what kind of, it's, it's kind of missing. Not to say again, this is a really good album, but I think that's where his strength lies, long story short.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And, and uh, you know, now I'm even thinking, too, if, if, <laughs> if Alfredo and Bandana, like, if all those albums didn't exist, we just, like, they take this album in isolation. Like I, I still would probably judge it a little bit lower, just because I do think, like, um, I don't think the production is that solid, but it's still a solid hip hop album, like for sure. Um, also too, like you know, it's really interesting. Um, like I, they spent some money on on the production production of this album. I mean, Alchemist and Malibu are here. Kate Trinod is here. James Blake <laughs> is here. Boy <laughs> 1, is Justice Black League. Man ever. <laughs> yeah, Jake won. So you know, it, it, you know, he definitely spent some out some money to get these producers. Um, but yeah, I I I, I think that um, when you when you just have a, such a hodgepodge of for producers, Anderson Park produce a track, uh, you know, like like when you have that hodgepodge, I, I I do think it just I don't know it just doesn't serve Freddie well. I think like Freddie is just like well on like on like a very cohesive narrative. Um, and I know that he wants to do another Alfredo he said that on a pocket, he personally has affinity towards that album I think that, you know, maybe it's more of a label thing, where the label's kind of like, well you know, if you're doing this for a major label, you need to have all these producers you need to have offset, you know Rick Ross and Pusha T, like you gotta have these things, this is gonna be your major label debut Um, so maybe he'll he'll get back to it Um, but apparently he also has two movies lined up, so um, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Um,
0: yeah, I was going to make a mention of that. It also feels like a pivot to kind of get him a little bit more because you know he's acting in TV shows. Yeah, you know he's 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 generally a funny ass dude. It also seems like a, a smart pivot career wise if he wants to expand the brand. That this is, was also a good move too, honestly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: So we we we, we, will, we will stop hating. Uh, yes. I, I definitely <laughs> say like you know listen to the album. If you love good hip hop, you'll enjoy the album for sure.
0: All right, so I will take the next one. Um, I think a favor of, of both of ours in general has been the the London jazz scene that's kind of popped up in the last ten years or so. Um, I'm not gonna say he's probably the leader, but definitely a, a weird focal point. Not a weird focal point. Uh, a, a, I would say that the a north star I should say because it's not weird. It's Shabaka Um saxophonist. Um, plays with a lot of those cats. Um, probably has I guess we could say Sons of Kevin is probably the biggest breakout. Like out out of that scene you could make the argument, I guess. As far as big, you know, getting booked for festivals and things yeah. like that and touring. You know, they kinda they're kinda of, kind of doing a lot of the indie rock circuit stuff. Um, that band is kinda of coming to a close. It seems like it's not really acrimonious. It just seems like, you know, they have their own projects. You know, one person is basically in Radiohead Part Two, um, with Tom Tom York's the Smile. Um, but he has another band called The Commodus Coming. And even though it looks like Sons of Kemet is at least taking a hiatus, um, the common is coming. Just dropped their record. Um, it's called. and Let me get this 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 title right. It is called Hyperdimensional Expansion Beam. Mm. So uh, the common is coming. So obviously you've got Shabaka Hutchins there using his sax thing, doing giving those sax lines. But um, this band is really built also around a drummer and also a keyboardist who does basically you know. A lot of synth sounds, not necessarily per se EDM, but a lot more experimental. So this is his experimental jazz group that's based around, let's say, you know, more techno-electro sounds. Um, his The record before this one was called Trust in the Life Force of Deep Mystery, which I liked a lot. Um, that one felt a little more freeform. This one, though, I like a lot, and I'll tell you why. Um, even though I will say the electronic aspect of it is a little bit more simplified it seems much more groovier what I mean is the fact of where you know a lot of times with experimental music it's more to kind of the texture and the sound and things are going there's a lot more head nod moments here and I think it's kind of cool because if you ever see him play he's a head nod person like I was chopping it up mm-hmm. with a friend of mine and he was saying how basically it was like a guitarist that recommended him listen to Sons of Kement because it's like the fucking riffs and that's where he comes hard so what's kind of cool with this record is that, you know, I wouldn't say they tone down the experimental aspect of their sound, they have thoughts, but it just seems that, you know, they'll find a groove where, as opposed to doing some crazy, like, keyboard runs, you know, the keyboardist will find this, like, just head-naughty, like, three-chord progression, and they'll fucking murder that shit for, like, fucking five minutes while Chewbacca is just fucking murdering the track. And there's a lot more moments like that on this record than the other one. And, uh, yeah, so, like... Surprisingly so, while I kind of listen to the other record to kind of give it respect or play in the background, this is some shit where I realize, like, you know, if, again, as anybody who commutes, you know, sometimes you have to get yourself in a certain kind of headspace and, you know, kind of have to get yourself almost amped up. And as a result, even though it's a quote-unquote jazz record, I find myself playing this a lot because it's got, like, this fucking vibe to it. And even there's um there's a video called Technicolor, which is basically... It just looks like this weird fucked up Aphex Twin body horror thing (laughs) that I made a video for. But but that tells you what the sound they're going for, where it's just this almost not like and I don't want and I hate it because it's a it's a negative term. But like, you know, that that EDM bass heavy kind of like where they're trying to go for filth, but it's very filtered through a soulless lens. So there's no filth. It is this kind of noise. You know, you don't really get that same head nod moment you get with, let's say, a hip-hop production without EDM, even though they kind of try to get there, you know. I, I think what's kind of fascinating here is that, you know, by doing almost a less is more approach, as f- they just find a groove and they lock into that bitch and they fucking murder, like, camera at home. And I, and I, as a result, really loving this record.
1: That's what's up. I will definitely check that out. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, that the London jazz scene is just, like, super interesting. And I think that group of of musicians, just like you know with with uh, sons of Kimmet and the side projects like that that family tree of music is just becoming really really interesting um, so I will definitely check that out um and then I'll talk about a group on my end um called jockstrap um, <laughs> Which you think will be a punk band, right? You think they would be a punk band? (laughs) That gotta be a punk
0: band. Gotta be a punk band.
1: And and they're not. They're a art school, like student duo, (laughs) basically. Like, (laughs) uh, you know, um, kind of a producer and like a vocalist, female vocalist. Um, And they have this new album called uh, "I Love You, Jennifer B," which is really, really dope. It's kind of their full length. Um, They had another album previously towards that um, called. Uh, Wicked City, which I thought was really interesting. I kind of like that a little bit more. It's a little bit more kind of like hip hop influence. They had um, like uh, oh, what's the, what's the band on here? Um, like the the band you turned me on to. I'm I'm blanking. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so I think like the most interesting thing here was it's just like it doesn't sound like anything. Oh, Injury Reserve. So uh, Injury, Injury Reserve uh, was on a couple of tracks on Wicked City. Uh, it doesn't sound like anything I've heard in a long time. Um, I think like the the uh, maybe like it's a mix between like Fantagram because it's kind of like a duo um, but also like maybe some like Billie Eilish but like because sup- she's like super like melodic in her, her vocals but probably more Kate Bush like Um, But then it's like, it feels like more authentic and grounded. Um, It's just like a hodgepodge of music that's just thrown into air. And it's just like, the result is a little bit of like everything, right? Where you have like hip hop and like, you know, a hip hop artist jumping on the track doesn't sound that strange. Um, You have a little R&B, you kind of have like, you know, a little like sparse, the XX kind of, like, you know, drum patterns. Um, it's just, like, a mix of everything, but it's very cohesive, um, and it's very kind of, like, you know, it's it's a singular project, which I thought was really interesting. Um, so, yeah, like, Wicked City was definitely a little bit more hip-hop influenced. I would say, like, I Love You for B, which is, like, their latest one. I think it's a little bit more kind of indie rock-ish, but again, like, they're still doing, like, a lot of really interesting things. They're, like, you know, You can tell they're using kind of drum patterns and stuff, but it's not like heavy A08s, you know, they're not taking for like drum and bass or like hip hop, you know, they're just kind of like music. Yeah, you know, they're (laughs) just they're just doing like drumming, but it's on a drum drum machine, you know. So I don't know, like, like the UK is always really interesting just because I feel like you have these kind of artists that kind of come out and just like. I think because, I don't know, like, like there's an art scene there or whatever. But um, yeah, it's just like something that I was just kind of like, wow, this is really unique. And like, I couldn't stop playing it, uh, both albums. Um, So yeah, like, um, like Wicked City and then I Love Love You, Jennifer B., like the two projects. Um, And it's definitely, like I said, it's just like refreshing. I feel like, like music is either trying too hard right now, or like really trying to just ape a bunch of trends on TikTok. Um, you know, e- either in the hip-hop space or, like, even, like, the R&B or, like, like space or whatever, or it's just, like, way too kind of, like, experimental for daily consumption. And I feel like this <laughs> is kind of, like, bringing together all that into something that I think is really kind of sonically palatable. So, yeah,
0: just check it out. Awesome. No, I'll definitely give them a listen. I'm looking at it now. It looks like they, the Wookiee um, City was in Warp, which I fuck with everything they dropped. So, yeah, no, they, they, it looks like they got chops. So, awesome. I'll just give it a listen. Um, I think the last one on my end Is uh, Kenny Mason So I judge the book by its cover and I'll tell you why So when it first came under my radar It was advertised as quote unquote rap rock mm. And you know Considering you have this whole revival of like you know Basically like Travis Baker And everybody else And you know Trippy Red And all this like weird kind of fucked up versions Of kind of like you know this, this rap rock hybrid That doesn't really do rap or rock music any favors it Kind of stayed away so I heard he had dropped a new record that was called a little like the quote-unquote dog-themed. And, you know, I got, I kind of got roped into it. It was a dead day, so I kind of gave it a listen. And, whew, I slept. So uh, Kenny Mason is a very, very, very good rapper. He's a technician. He kind of comes from the school of like, you know, from Wayne to Kendrick to, you know, he reminds me a lot of um, J.I.D. or JIT, where it's just a lot of like speed up, slow downs, flows of and flows. Um Generally, like J.A.D., like it's kind of, you know, being a young man growing up. I it, I don't think he's in Atlanta proper, but he's in Georgia. Growing up and the things you see and the things you deal with, you know, as far as street shit, as far as everything else, family, yada, yada, yada. Um, even though it's advertised as rap rock, the reason we want to kind of specifically single him out is the fact of where it's done in a very smart way. So I was reading an interview and he's basically talking about his musical roots. And what's kind of fascinating is, you know, a lot of artists be like, yo, I grew up listening to blah, 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 and that's why. But he's very much like, you know, like, I studied these artists. Like, you know, I listened to it, I figured out how they worked and I studied these, like, hip-hop artists. And I think the way, he, it's the same way he kind of approaches rock music where I listen to basically the last two of his records where the current one, Ruffs, even though it's quote-unquote rap rock, there's not really much rock. And what's kind of cool is the fact of where the places you think there will be rock, he zigs and zags. Mm. So, like, you know, 80% of it is probably regular, you know, hip-hop, dope shit, you know, some of it is very like a trap soul. Like this one song is like, this is fantastic. This is a really dope hip hop record. But the two songs where you figure he would go a trippy Red shit, it's kind of fascinating because you've got one sample where it's this almost nasty sounding, distorted synth line, which you imagine like fucking, like a Takashi 6 9 coming in and screaming over it. It's this aggressive, angry shit. And he comes into some melodic hip hop shit and turns into a fucking ballad. <laughs> and then he does it again, where there's a, a, again, these guys love their three six. So it sounds like a Project Pat beat where it's almost playing just fucking screwed up. And you expect it to come in screaming. And no, he, he, he zigs and zags. He almost does a whole fucking other, like almost happy flow on top of it. And, and I think that's what's kind of cool. In the previous record, there's also more overt rock songs, but even then they're like the guitars and, and no discs, It sound like demos. Like the guitars aren't really distorted. It sounds like something, something made in Garage Band. They sound cheap and thinny, but I, th- but it's on purpose because if you think about it, like the whole shit, the whole SoundCloud wave, that kind of helps start out this like modern rap rock shit. Is all about you know beats sent to fucking you know to clipping to the distorted and everybody screaming on top of it. But they're almost like very intimate songs, like almost acoustic, and I, and that's what I kind of like about him. Where I, I think the problem with a lot of rap rock artists in general, general, general people who hop across genres, is the fact genres, is the fact of where. You know, just because you matched the one doesn't mean you know the other. Like, even though you could be a fantastic fucking pianist, doesn't mean you could make, like, <laughs> an EDM synth line. You know, yeah. those are two. It takes, you know, that same guy who did that little shitty EDM synth line that requires no fucking technique or musical knowledge. It still took him, like, 500 tries to get to that point. You're still coming in. You know, to trust me, when you master it, you'll fucking murder it. But you still have to kind of understand how the genre works. And what's cool about him is the fact that where it's probably the only project I like that's quote unquote rap rock. And A, it's not really at all. It's really much 90% hip hop. There's as much rap rock here as you probably hear on a lot of trap shit. And then, But B is the fact of where even when he does kind of lean a, little, lean a bit in that direction, he you could tell he's somebody where he could be in those same songwriting camps like a lot of other people are. Like, I could imagine Travis Barker picking him up and having him work on the next Willow album or something. Like, he knows yeah. what he's doing. He's a student of the game, and, and that's what's kind of cool about it. So I kind of want to shout him out because... I heard about him before and I heard he was dope, but I heard that rap rocks. And I was like, nah, but really I would highly recommend to him. If, if you're a fan of, of particularly of what Chid's doing, you'll definitely like Kenny Mason. So shouts to him.
1: Or, or, and, and, and you know, it's very hard to do, like take in something as particular as like rap, rap rock or like trap music or whatever, and then that and make it your own. That's really hard yes. to do. It's really yeah. hard to do. Yeah, and I was
0: shocked because, like, literally, I'm just there, and, you know. The fucking beat comes in, I'm like, "Oh, it's gonna be, he's gonna be out here, like, fuck the pigs," and it's just a fucking ballad. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh shit!" I was like, "But it's a good ballad. Like, you could yeah. take, you take that little synth line, you some, you know, to some white girl out there probably in that right now is practicing on a TikTok about to play the fucking song." And it's cool. It's something where you show. It shows that he has. He knows how songwriting works within the rock realm. It's not just like I'ma go in there and scream, yeah. or he's not a rock person who's like, oh well, you know, the rap guy's rap like this, so I'll just grab some hip, you know, some of my guitar fucking demos on my fucking Logic or my Pro Tools, put an 808 behind it, and start doing fake rap shit from the 80s. It's just he knows. He knows his music. And it's going to be interesting because similar to like J.I.D. where I see, you know, him bubbling up to a certain level where, you know, I see things changing for him relatively quickly. Like, I feel like Kenny's right behind him. So we'll see how he goes. But like, if there's ever like some weird, I guess, another Imagine Dragons collab out there (laughs) that he's (laughs) able to hop on, I see things changing for him very quickly. Because like I said, at the end of the day, he's still a technician. Like he's still a very, like bar for bar, he'll, he'll murder a lot of dudes out there, particularly in Atlanta. So shots to him.
1: Cool. I would yeah. definitely check that out for sure.
0: Yeah, and also a shout out to Freddie Gibbs was on the record, last record, baby. You know what I'm oh, saying? Okay. Gibbs approved.
1: There you go. Gibbs approved. There you go. <laughs> we went full circle.
0: Full circle. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but as
0: usual, this is where we end. We love y'all. Peace. Stay safe. You know, rumor is there's some new vaccines out there. You know what I'm saying? Get that flu. Get that monkeypox. Get that booster booster. You know what I'm saying? Stay out here because getting cold. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm i hearing things. I'm hearing the signifiers that we're all used to. You know what I'm saying? Apparently, Yankee Candles are getting some reviews where people are mysteriously unable to smell what the candles putting out, and we we all know those candles stink. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm hearing Germany's got a little spike. Motherfuckers are wearing the mask on the trains. You know what I'm saying? you know all that all that new European hype this is virtually come over here so you know what I'm saying I know it's not to move I know we're all out here live, we outside capital O All you know what I'm saying you know what I'm saying just don't take no unnecessary risks that's all we love y'all we want to yeah, get you all in
1: the future for peace. sure peace
0: later